my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. When we come here to study God's Word, there are no experts. We need to realize that, that I met with a group of engineers the other day and ate lunch, and uh, there was also an executive from the Nissan plant there, and we were eating. And I said, uh, I'm the smartest one at this table. And they looked at me sort of strange, and I said, uh, I'm fixing to turn 80, and I don't know anything. And one of the engineers that worked for the state, he said, Joel, I'm right behind you. We'll never learn anything and learn how to serve God until we realize that we don't know anything. God knows it all. We should look at history and see that man could not find God through his creation. Now he can find there is a supreme being and that is intelligent, but man could not find him through creation. He worshipped the moon, he worshipped the sun, he worshipped the stars and kept getting further away from God. He, we, man could not find God through his own creation. He made wooden gods, brass gods, and golden gods, and still he could not find God. Man thought that through his thoughts he could find God, and he could not find God. Uh, the Greeks certainly indicate that through philosophy. And today, education is one of our greatest enemies. We don't recognize that, and certainly we don't understand that. That when we get educated, we think that we know something. And really, the more education you get, you ought to recognize how little you know. And that how much more God has that we don't see. And that's the way it is with rearing children. And that's the way it is concerning our families. Sometimes people say, well, how did you rear your children? And I say, well, remember, the devil's not through with them yet. And we better hold on to that and remember that as we start being parents and rearing children. One of the teachers at Florida College called me and he asked me, he said, Joel, I'm encouraging young people to get married, but I'm not encouraging them to have children. And I understand what he's saying. He, he says, God told Jeremiah not to get married. Times were so bad. And he told Hosea to marry a prostitute. And what the teacher at Florida College is saying the influx of people coming in, it's not good. And he's concerned. And I told him, I said, I don't have that problem. My problem is trying to get people get married that have children. Now, I started teaching 46 years ago in Metro in the projects. And I realized then that the home was in trouble. And uh, those of us have learned from people living in the projects, and we've become more like them. Whether we want to admit it or not, I had a black principal first year of busing, and he told two girls that were fighting that I took the office 
He said, uh, they have you over here to teach us how to act, and you're acting worse than we act. Couldn't get by with that today. But I, I've noticed in the homes that our homes are falling apart. And the fact is the fact every man thinks he knows how to rear a child. Every woman thinks she knows how to rear a child. And I'm here to tell you that you don't know anything. Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. The house has got to be built by God's blueprint. The husband has got to submit his will to God's will, and the wife has got to submit her will to God's will, or the home will self-destruct. I, I met the other night with a woman that uh, she sat and bawled and screamed most of the time in our den where some of you have been. The most dysfunctional family that I've ever known in the Lord's church. There are four preachers in that family. And Linda and I, neither one could sleep that night. We were just so upset. They have lived like people in the projects have lived. It's finally caught up with us. That rather than teaching them, we have learned from them. And our behavior has become like their behavior. And that scares me. I don't know of anything that I'd rather talk about. So I told Greg that when the time's up, he better stand up. I may not hear the bell. And... Uh, we need to understand that. But this is very, very important. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Psalms 144 and uh, uh, verse 12. And let's go from there, okay? Psalms 124 and verse 12. Now we need to understand that what we're talking about is the fact of greenhouse. I built a greenhouse a number of years ago, and I fixed to build another one, a very small one. Someone gave me a lot of glass. And I fixed to build one for the grandchildren now. But our homes ought to be a greenhouse. And you say, why a greenhouse? It's where that you control everything. That, that you control the temperature, you control the light, you control the moisture, you control the amount of food that the plants get. And you can even keep disease out of it. So our homes are to be a greenhouse. Now look at this as we read Psalm 144 and verse 12. He said that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. What do you put in a greenhouse? You put seedlings in there, and finally you have a plant. Now our sons ought to be like that. At home, we ought to be controlling the environment. Now watch again as we read the rest of it. That our daughters may be cornerstones polished after the similitude of the palace. A polished stone is beautiful. I haven't polished a car in I don't know how many years when I was single living in Pennsylvania, I polished my car quite often, but not anymore. But something that is polished is beautiful. 
we need to spend our time to be sure that our young men grow up to be men and that our young girls grow up like polished stones. And when I'm talking about beauty, I'm talking about beauty inside. There's no excuse for a person being 30 years old not being beautiful. See, a woman at 30 ought to be beautiful. She's had enough time to grow up in a controlled environment with a, a father that loves God, with a mother that loves God, and wants to go to heaven. And so those of you that have that, thank God for it every day and, and go from there. Again in Psalms 119 and verse 9, the psalmist said, Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereunto thy word. See? What's a young man going to do? He better go to the Word of God. He, he doesn't know as much as he thinks he knows. I asked Tim that this morning as he stood with his two brothers, and I said, Tim, because you're older, are you smarter? <laughs> he said, no. He pointed to the smallest one. He, he said he catches on quicker than the rest of us. I, I love Tim. I don't know him, but I love him. That's humility. Putting someone else in front of yourself, that, that's humility. And that's what we need to learn. If we're going to know anything, we go to the Word of God. I, I've watched people that the parents were harsh, and then they reared their children and just let them do anything. From one extreme to the other, never getting it right. There was a psychologist a number of years ago at Peabody University, and uh, he came home and saw his two sons. They had a paintbrush and they were painting a baby grand piano. They said, what did you do? He said, nothing. He said, I love my sons more than I do the piano. See, that's what we're reaping today. That was back in the 50s. That philosophy from one extreme to the other. How do you rear a child? By the Word of God. That's what he's saying. In Luke 2 and verse 51 Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. We've got to grow. Jesus grew. Now, if you're back at verse 51, said he was subject to his parents. That needs to be emphasized. He was subject to his parents, but in the midst of all of that, he increased in wisdom. If there's one thing that we need in the church, is the fact we need some wise men. I've known some very highly educated preachers, and I've had two disagreements with, with two different preachers, highly educated, that they've got a lot of understanding, but no wisdom. Friends, if you like wisdom, go to God. Ask God for wisdom. We've got to have some wise men. Sometimes I hear people saying, well, I'm concerned we don't have elders in the church. Don't bother me. What bothers me, we don't have a group of wise men to select elders from. That's a supply line. We need to build that supply line. And we need to be working with our young men to help them to be wise. Oh, they know enough. My grandkids, the youngest one, knows more than I knew when I went to Florida College. 
But the whole situation is, how wise are you? Wisdom comes from God. And in rearing children, we need to recognize that I don't know anything. I remember in Charlotte, North Carolina, where my oldest daughter was born, held her in my hand, and I thought, if I let her go to hell, what a price. What a price. Fathers, we're not just bearing children. We're getting children ready to go to heaven. And that's what we need to understand. He grew in wisdom, he grew in stature. Favor with God and man. We need to have an environment in the home where kids can grow. I've been in the school system. They're made fun of all day. You're too tall. You're too short. You're too skinny. You're too fat. You're ugly. They hear that all day long. They don't need to hear that when they come home. Sister Davenport there in Nashville had a sign on her door. No anger comes in this door. We better wake up. We'd better wake up, brethren, it's later than we think. And our children need a security blanket, and home is a security blanket. I have a niece that she said she can't remember one happy moment in her home. They grew up Roman Catholics. My brother became a Roman Catholic. He died July the 1st. His wife died the last of August. And I didn't know it till three weeks ago. In fact, five of his children didn't even know it. Only one child knew it. Our homes are broken. Oh, they don't believe in divorce. They stayed together. But what a mess they made. And we need to stop and... and and turn to God's Word again. In Ephesians 6 and verse 4, Paul said, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Fathers, you're to bring home the bacon, but you've got another responsibility. Don't come home angry. Don't come home and take out on your children with the boss dished out on you at work. You come home to your greenhouse and you nourish these children. You admonish them that they are somebody. They're important to God. They're important to you. And no matter what comes or goes, God's still going to love you and I love you. And when you make a mistake, come home like the prodigal son. Our arms will be open. We love you unconditionally, but we love you because you're made in the image of God. And we need to understand that. Again in Ephesians 5 and verse 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He's the Savior of the body. Now, I have a preacher friend that his sister got married and she said, now, don't put in there that I've got to obey him. And he said, I'll not do the service. And he didn't. There's some women just not going to let the blueprint that God has laid out be followed. 
Man is to be the head of the house. Anything other than that, it's a failure. And we need to understand that. And so he's telling us how important it is that we follow God's blueprint. Now again, in Genesis 18 and verse 19, God said concerning Abraham, I know him. God, what do you know about him? Listen to this. That he will command his children and his household after him. I know that Abraham is going to command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. You know, we want to give God everything but what God really wants. Micah 6, he says, Wherefore shall I come before the Lord? The people are crying. And bow myself before the high God. Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings, with calves of year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of animals? Or ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And Micah says, He has showed thee what is good and what the Lord requires of thee, to do justly. Be fair. To love mercy. And to walk humbly before God. They were willing to give God anything but what God wanted. That's the way it is today. Everybody wants to give God something, but they won't give God what He wants. Men need to step up and be men and be the head of the house. We want to give God everything but what God really wants. And that's where we're failing. Deuteronomy 6 and 6. He said, And these are the words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. He didn't just say teach them. He said diligently teach them to thy children. And shall walk of them and shall talk of them when thou settest in thy house. We have a member of the church who was a teacher in, in Dixon County. And she told Linda, she said, I can't talk to people one-on-one. What? I, I think that parents they can't really just sit down with a child by themselves and talk to them. Now she's an excellent teacher. She teaches Bible class. But we've got to learn to take our children one by one and sit down and talk to them. How, how important it is. And, and when thou sittest in the house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when you rise up in the morning, diligent every opportunity that you have Talk to them. I taught school and preached in Hendersonville, which is 30 miles away. And we spent about 45 minutes in the car every time we went to services and we came home. My wife and I talked to our children. You need to sit down and talk to your children. I didn't have much time with them. Teaching and preaching and holding meetings and stuff like that. 
But when you have the opportunity, take advantage to talk to your children. In 2 Timothy 1, 3 through 5, again, Paul, I thank God whom I serve in my forefathers with the pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of the tears, that I may be filled with joy, remembering thy tears, I greatly desire to see that in thee. When I call to remembrance the sincere faith that is in thee, which first was in thy grandmother Lois, thy mother Eunice, I am persuaded that in thee also. Grandparents, we've got a tremendous responsibility. Don't, 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 don't preach to them. Talk to them. All of our kids live around us. And Linda and I have got sense enough to know that we talk to them, we make suggestions, but we don't tell them what to do. Grandparents have got to learn that. Some grandparents just learn their grandchildren and they want to move away from them. We've got to learn to be grandparents. We had our shot. Share with them some mistakes you've made, but talk with them. Don't preach to them. Now, preaching is the most important thing in the world. God chose to save the world through preaching. But there comes a time that you sit down and talk to your children. And he said he was in your grandmother. He was in your mother. And now it's in you. Now, I hurt for people that don't have that. My daddy was an alcoholic. I know what that's like. I try to understand people who come from homes like that. But somewhere down the line, you've got to break the chain. My daddy didn't become a member of the church until he was 62. I've hid in the cornfield, and my daddy with shotgun threatened to kill all of us. You've got to break the chain somewhere. I've got a friend that she was the daughter of a bootlegger, and she married an elder son. That bootlegger was converted and became a Christian. His wife became a Christian and grandmother became a Christian. I asked her some time ago, I said, how many people have become members of the church as a result of you marrying this friend of mine? She gave me a list of 53 people. Break the chain. I didn't have that. Well, so what? You've got God. Break the chain. No excuse. Break the chain. And make up your mind you're going to be somebody, you're going to be what God wants you to be. And you're going to be the kind of father God wants you to be. You're going to be the kind of mother God wants you to be. In 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Where is it? It's in Christ Jesus. And the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. He loved Timothy and he loved Titus. 
He couldn't have loved them any more if they'd have been His own children. We need that. And, and uh, ask Jacob to work on this sermon sometimes. Uh, the church is to be a greenhouse. Friends, you don't know what the people have been through here in this audience this week. This is the place where we come together and encourage one another. And they leave from here ready to go out and face the world. Jacob, work up a sermon on that. I'll put, pick on you a little bit. This is what we need to learn. And the same thing is true here with our children. In Ephesians 5 and verse 25, he says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. I, I just sincerely believe, and I have more faith in women than sometimes people do, I believe that most women would be in subjection if they knew that every purchase that my husband makes, everything that he does, he's thinking about me too. He loves me like Christ loved the church. Women want to be loved more than anything, and we all do. And we as husbands fail in the fact we are so selfish, it's hard for us to love as Christ loved the church. And I believe we'll have better women in the church if men will share the responsibility of loving her, letting her know. I'd give anything if I loved my wife 50 years ago as much as I love her now. See, it's selfishness gets in our way. We wonder why our homes are coming apart. It's, it's our fault, husbands and wives. And so we need to understand that. In Ephesians 5 and verse 28, So ought men to love their wives as their own body. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Husbands, love your wife and do yourself a favor. You're doing yourself a favor when you love your wife. You're not doing her a favor, you're doing you a favor. Somebody, that love will be returned when you give it. Nevertheless, let each one of you, in Ephesians 5 and verse 33, in particular, so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife that she reverence her husband. I believe she will. If we as men will be men, the kind of man that God wants us to be, and then she'll have respect for you. Remember one night at our house, we had our Bible studies broken up into two groups, and and Sean taught the boys and and taught the girls, and she said, "I'm so glad that Sean has got to make the decisions." Isn't that wonderful that when a woman trusts the husband making the decision? That's the way it ought to be. She knows that he'll always think of her. Titus 2 and verse 4 again. That they, talking about the older women, may teach the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. Older women. 
have failed to teach the younger women to be disciplined and to have self-control. You know, I've been to congregations where that no older woman or some of the older women has never taught a Bible class. Never. And I've known them for 50 years. They've never taught children's Bible classes. It's difficult to find women that are willing to take other women and teach classes. The older women have not developed as they should have. This is not a time to feel down. This is a time to look at our mistakes and say, we're going to do better. Never has the home been under attack like it's under attack today. When our president made mention of the fact that if anybody needs anything, they look to us and that we're invincible. Oh, me, has he not read? In Daniel 4, when old Nebuchadnezzar said, this is my kingdom. And then he went out to eat the grass. God be merciful to us. Spitting in God's face. They don't understand what the home is. That's, what the, that's the age we're living in. Jesus said, I mean, you're not read in the beginning. He that made them male and female. But philosophy. I found out one year that I had signed up, and I was a member of NEA and TEA and MNEA. And I found out that NEA, now this is about 25 years ago, was contributing money to an ultimate lifestyle. I called and I said, look, I, I want out of this. I'm not contributing. Well, you can't get out. You signed the papers when first day of school. I said, you want me to write to Tennessean then and to tell them that you people are sending money to this? And then about 30 minutes later, she called back and told Linda, said, tell him he's out. Those of you that are working and working for big businesses, they're going to force you to take money out of your salary to support this. That's the move. And you've got to stand up and be men and say, I will not if it costs me my job. I will not do it. In Ephesians 4 and verse 32, he said, be ye kind one to another. Oh, that's what they need in homes. In Pennsylvania, when I was single, I, people would invite me into their homes and I spent the night there and ate with them a lot of times. And the way husbands and wives would talk to one another, it embarrassed me. And I, and I was embarrassed for them. That they didn't have sense enough to know what was going on. And I thought, how do they talk to one another when I'm not here? Be kind. Tender-hearted. All that tenderness needs to be there. Forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. My brother would be away from home being in service. 
And when he come home, his wife, as bad as he was, they fed off of one another. She'd have a list of what the kids did while he was gone. And he'd line them up and whip all of them. How foolish can people be? Be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you, forgive them. We need to understand that. In Psalms 130 and verse 3, he said, If the Lord should mark iniquities, that is, keep account, keep records, O Lord, who should stand? We ought to all have the feeling that in this building this morning, I've been forgiven more than anybody else. Go back over your past. It's not comfortable. It's painful. And you ask the question, why would God give me the opportunity to be a child of His? Why would He even care for me? And brethren, we better have that attitude in our homes. Be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. You've been forgiven. Pass it on. And we just need to dwell on that. He said, train up a child, in Proverbs 22 and verse 6, he said, train up a child in the way that he should go. Now, first of all, there's a way that a child should go. There's a walk that he ought to walk. Not just a talk that he ought to talk, but there's a walk that he ought to walk. And you're the one to train. Now, there's a great deal of difference between training and teaching. The little boy came home every day from school and he threw his cap in the floor and his mother fussed and fussed. She told Daddy about it on Saturday morning. He got the boy out of bed and he said, Son, put your cap on and walk down to where you catch a bus and come back. He said, Hang your cap up. He said, Get it and do it again. Fifty times he did that. The boy never threw his cap in the floor again. That's training. Not fussing. That's training. We need to train people. Train up a child. But it takes time. I don't have time. That's what we're saying. Are you willing then to let the child go to hell? Take the time. That child is more important than your job. That child needs to know how important he or she is to you and to God. Train up a child in the way that he should go. There's a way that he should go. And, and then he said, and when he's old, what will he do? If he goes astray, he'll be like the prodigal son. More than likely, he's going to come back home. I couldn't help but cry when my niece told Linda, said, I can't remember one pleasant thing that happened in our home. What's your children going to remember about you? 
It's scary. It, it bothers me a great deal of what's happening today in the church. I, I'm not all that concerned about what's happening in Washington. I'm not all that concerned about what's happening in Tennessee. My love is the church, God's family. And then the families that make up the church. Brethren, that, that's what's breaking my heart. And the other night when this lady who she's got grandchildren came and sat down and the husband went and closed the door so that Jill in the other room couldn't hear her crying. She's just about ready for a breakdown. And I doubt that I would be as good as she is if I had gone through what she's gone through. We have no idea what goes on behind closed doors in the homes of the Lord's church. It's pitiful. And I've even told two men that I love a great deal, that have done a great deal for me. Individually. If you can't go to into business meeting and act like a Christian, don't go. You'd be surprised that people don't know how Christians are supposed to act. And certainly not in the home. Now I'll tell you, Eli reared some bad children. But God rebuked him for it because he didn't restrain them. Samuel raised some bad children too. Evidently, he restrained his, or tried to. God didn't correct him for his children going bad. Now, no matter what you do in the home, there's some children. The pressure's so great out there in the world that you're going to lose some of them. And that's what we better wake up to. And let our little boys know how precious they are to us. And let our little girls know how precious they are to us and to God. And point them toward God. And create an atmosphere where that they can grow. Now I'll tell you in Pennsylvania, it gets cold. But I've been in homes in Pennsylvania where it was colder in the house than it was outside. Isn't that sad? That we don't understand the tenderness and the kindness that we ought to bestow upon our children, upon our wives, on one another. Why can't we comprehend that? Greg, how much more time do I have? Five minutes, okay. Thank you. As I said again, if you think the homes are not falling apart, years ago when teaching in the projects, we had field day and a little boy had a chicken leg. I said, Anthony, where did you get that chicken leg? He said, my mama's used to be boyfriend's girlfriend. 
I said, wait a minute, Anthony, run that by me again. He said, it's my mama's used-to-be boyfriend's girlfriend came and gave it to me. That shocked me. But now I'm hearing that in the church. And it really shocks me. It really hurts. The young boy that I had in juvenile detention threw acid in his mother's eyes and blinded her. She was working in Bellmead there in Nashville, and the daddy mixed up some acid. Carried him over there, and he knocked on the door. And when she came to the door, he threw it in her face, and she screamed, and she got enough of it in her esophagus that it had a hole in her esophagus, and she died two days later. He died, or rather he had his funeral back in November this past year. I called the funeral home. I wanted to know how that Larry Blacksmith died. The funeral director would not tell me. I'm pretty sure somebody killed him. When you live that kind of life, that's the problems you're going to have. Let us control ourselves and control the environment to rear better children in the church so that they can go out and let their light shine in the world in which they're living. Friends, every politician comes from some kind of home. Every school teacher comes from some kind of home. Every preacher comes from some kind of home. And today, they're more dysfunctional families than they are functional families. God has a blueprint. You don't know it all, and I don't either. We need to submit to God, be kind to one another, humble ourselves, and say, I don't know anything. God knows it all. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. I've got a way about rearing children. Forget it. Rear children the way that God wants them to rear. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Friends, we're not going to do it right until we make up our mind we're going to do it God's way and forget everything that we know and set it aside. My brother's daughter was dating a hippie and he came home from Massachusetts and he told me, he said, I, I've thought about getting a gun and going and shooting them both. I said, Lear, they're not doing anything that you didn't do when you grew up. He said, oh, but it's different. I said, you're lying to yourself. It's not indifferent. If we would judge ourselves by the same standard we judge everybody else by, it'd be a different world. My wife has a statement. She said, I pray to the Lord to help me see myself as He sees me. And she told one of my son-in-laws that. And he came back and he said, you know, that's uncomfortable. 
if we're going to do a better job, we're going to have to make up our mind. God, let me look at myself the way you see me. Look in God's mirror. Thank you very much. This is dear to my heart, and I hope that you'll take it that way. Let us wake up. Please, it's later than you think.